Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. Chris in quotations. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Sean. And I'm Lee. And we're here today with our guest, Troy, from the podcast Revived Thoughts. Welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? Thank you for having me on. How are you doing? Hey, it's good. It's good. So, uh... I'll just say a little bit about how we heard of of you and Joel and your podcast and then uh, give you the floor to uh, maybe go into a little bit more detail about what you guys do over at your really awesome podcast. So um, we obviously we're part of the bar network. And so as part of the bar network, we're contractually obligated to listen to bar podcasts (laughs) and uh, you guys were interviewed by Dwayne on a recent (laughs) We're forced. So uh, you guys, you guys talked to Dwayne uh, about your show, and it was such <laughs> an engaging interview um, and such a cool idea for a podcast that I thought uh, it would be awesome if we did our part to uh, try to help get your name out there to more people, if uh, if we possibly can. So, uh, Troy, do you want to just tell us a little bit about what your podcast is about, and maybe a little bit about yourself too? Yeah, no problem. So we run uh, Revive Thoughts, Joel and myself. I am, uh, we, we, we take sermons from the past and we record them into audio for the first time. So sermons by people like Charles Spurgeon, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, Oswald Chambers, uh, I'm picking a lot of recent people, John Calvin, Martin Luther, uh, Chris Austin, Basil, St. Augustine. We try to get the whole gambit of different people and preachers because what we don't often realize is that the theologians whose books we're reading and learning about and when we go to seminary or we just hear them mentioned and quoted in sermons uh, when we go to church, these theologians were preachers uh, before they were usually book writers. And their sermons uh, really carry the heart of their theology applied and how to live it out on a day-to-day level and also a lot of their personality as well. But most of these sermons have been left up on shelves ever since radio was invented. We've had the great radio evangelists, but the sermons that were in the books pretty much kind of got left behind. And so now our goal is to bring that 1800 or so years worth of amazing content and sermons and truth back into our ears here in the 21st century. And I personally think the more I've done this, the more I've been studying it and reading it and just enjoying it, the more I really think it's in the nick of time. Like the truth that is in these sermons is really, really relevant to us today. 
Wow, that's actually pretty cool. So you guys aren't using like any time machines or flux capacitors or anything like that. So you guys yeah. are actually we're not uh we we'd not yet we'd love to get there um actually i say this on the show all the time if i could go back in time i would love to go to england in like the eight, late 1800s because you could hear spurgeon theoretically if you hit it the right year you could hear you could hear moody you could hear alexander mclaren you could hear all these really amazing uh preachers that are just some really good guys in that little area that little era of time and you would probably walk out just blown away hudson taylor there's just a ton of these guys knew each other and interacted with each other, Theodore Kyler, and they and they were preaching in similar locations and would go visit each other. It's really interesting. But anyway, so we don't bring them back from history, and it is important that we say that because one time we did post a sermon, and it was by John Bunyan, and someone posted underneath the sermon, um, "How can you have John Bunyan's sermon? He's he's been dead for two hundred years." <laughs> oh like, my word. Well, if you look at it, we say thank you to so-and-so for reading the sermon, and it, we're not trying to trick you. And they, I think they got a little embarrassed. They deleted the message. Oh, my out. word. <laughs> You're not the first to have wondered how we're doing this. Um, That's so each awesome. Sermon, each sermon has a different voice uh, that we collect volunteers. Some of you guys here on the uh, the Guys of Bibles podcast are some of these volunteers. Yeah, I'm yeah. the voice of John Ooh. Calvin. Yeah, yeah we have a John Calvin some. here and a uh, NSC. Well, who is yeah. the other guy? Well, Richard uh, Lee, Sims, because I just I just did yeah. the episode today. Uh, I'm sorry that. about my audio. <laughs> yeah, you oh. definitely need to get Chris on the on the podcast. Definitely, <laughs> I think that would be definitely beneficial. Well, you know, we'd love to have Chris. Um, <laughs> I I sent you I sent you their email. You could have you, know, you could have reached out anytime you wanted. I'm gonna have to talk to Chris's manager, and we're gonna have to get into cahoots. <laughs> well, you know, know who's I, your publicist? Work out all the details. Now that you've given me permission, I I mean, I'm gonna throw this out here. I do have a George Whitfield that I'm sitting on that I do Ooh. need. To oh my goodness, man! It, why it, would you? It, Set on George Whitfield. That's dangerous. Well, I, I, uh, I sent it to a gentleman, and he did a great job with it. But uh, I think it would be a better fit in, a, in more maybe in Chris's wheelhouse, actually. Um, and, and the best part too is this sermon here is it's actually George Whitfield instructing you how to listen to sermons, and it was a really good um, convicting sermon on me judging other preachers. And I would love for you to give that a read and, and let me know what you think at the end of that too. You'll probably feel. You'd be surprised. I read every one of these sermons. I think, cool, history. Like, sometimes I get into it. I'm like, ah, it's going to be just some old, dry text, but I need to edit it for my podcast. I do. And I get to the end of it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I need to take a step back and breathe. He got me again. And it was, it's mm -hmm. always somebody. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, do you guys – so you guys basically read the sermons from the books and then retranslate them into common-day English, correct? Yes. Well, we get the sermons in all kinds of ways. Sometimes we just find them online, you know, and this and that. But there are times we're literally taking them out of scanlated copies from libraries. I, I paid for one sermon. It's by George Matheson. It was very famous at its time, but there's only one copy of the sermon left. And it's in a library. It had been st stuck in a book. I paid them, you know, like eight bucks, send me the scanlation. They put, gave it to us. We had the only copy of it online. Really good sermon. George Matheson. Sorry, George Matheson. The Patience of Job. And it... At the time, Queen Victoria had it preached directly to her. Uh, it was the sermon he preached to Queen Victoria. She loved it so much, she stuck it in her personal library and had it published for everyone to read. But, you know, 120, 30, 40 years later, and this is the only copy of it that survived. So, wow, Scott, that is a sermon about Job, Scott. Yeah. And Job. I got to say, uh, and I got to say, I don't know Job, who you're talking to, Lee, but Chris is on the line right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm gonna be honest with you. At this point, at this point, there is no Scott. There is only Chris. Yeah, and that might be my point. But hey. Scott is gone. Scott hey, Troy, right. I'm so glad you've introduced this to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, we're all joking now, but 10 years from now, when you know his family is calling him Chris, and he's like, this all started because of that one interview, we're going to remember. <laughs> I'll be like, thanks, Tony. Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, as a, as a person named Troy, it is very, very common to get misnamed as Tony. Uh, Trey, uh, Taylor. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty common thing. So that doesn't even phase me. Yeah, I, I've read more than a thousand Starbucks cups that said Tony on them. So whatever. <laughs> well, you wouldn't believe this. So at my church, I have been calling the same guy for three years, John, and his name is actually Steve. Oh, and that's I, quite and I, right and I just figured what? out like two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And he, he even told me, he goes, yeah, I know you've been tell, calling me the wrong name. I answer you. I like you. I'm oh like, oh, my word. Well, thank goodness. <laughs> so basically, it sounds to me, Chris, like he had this coming. Like this was already oh, due. You know, this is, this is karma just in its finest. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably deserve this. It, if we believed it. <laughs> um, I think I want to circle back, uh, Tony, to what you, what you said before uh, about um, it's the not voice. Tony, it's Troy, isn't it? No, oh, it's definitely it's definitely Troy. Um, but the yeah, uh, talking yeah. about people being the certain people being the voices of certain people. So it's not like you're getting together a group of volunteers and you've got maybe ten or twelve and they read all the sermons. But you guys are actually planning in your planning one voice per preacher what's kind of your rationale behind that why why do you consider that an important choice to make when it comes to producing these sermons sure so our goal like my this is in my head a little bit but my goal would be that at some point you know as we get more sermons and we get better and and, and in a theoretical world if i you know, had a lot of free time and money to work on this project, we would be able to create more episodes than just one a week. I mean, there's tons of sermons. Just Spurgeon sermons alone would keep you busy for the rest of your life. I mean, they haven't even all been finished being translated and published yet. So there's more than enough content. I would love to be putting out multiple a week. And I would love for it in this theoretical world that we're working towards, where the voice of John Calvin or Charles Spurgeon or, or whoever it is, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when the listener knows, sees that episode pop up in their feed or they read his books, they're going to be hearing that voice that we've kind of put inside their head a little bit by this is who it is. We're connecting them and we're really building this relationship with the speaker and the, uh, and the theoretical person. Yeah, it's kind of like an actor playing a certain person where you watch that movie and you know that Chris Evans is just one version of Captain America, but isn't he also in every way Captain America or Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man in your head, right? Those guys have just so embodied that for so long that when you think right. of those, you know, Marvel characters, that's who they are. And the same way we would really love to just, you have a connection so that the next time you're reading one of their books, you can hear the voice in your head and you can, kind of, I, I can hear him when I read his quotes now. Oh man. I think so now you just... I hope I don't hear Lee when I'm listening to <laughs> Charles Spurgeon. Yeah, every, well, don't worry. Spurgeon, <laughs> we have a great gentleman already doing Spurgeon, so that, that's not going to happen. Uh, Lee, yeah, you, Lee's the voice of Sibs. Yeah, yes, so when you, Scott, go, we you might don't read get him Richard to get in there Sibs. and get Sibs, so that would be fun. Yeah, if you read oh, Richard boy. Sibs, Scott, you'd be stuck <laughs> Wait, with me in your though. head. I will say, like, it sounds ridiculous, but the first couple, some of the speakers that we have, 
are uh, people that I know. Yeah. Some of the people that we have are people that I know. And now, I mean, I literally do hear their voices in, like, when I read their works and stuff. It's a really good connection. Oh, my word. That would be an interesting predicament to find yourself in. Like, all of a sudden, you've now turned Where this friend of horrible. yours. You're horrible. <laughs> it's not my phone. I'm but using yeah, my computer. I'm, that's pretty neat that you actually have people around that you know so where do you guys source your sermons from are these just google searches i know you, t- you touched on it a little bit but or do you find these kind of in the like academic or theological libraries of of universities or things like that are, are there lots of different places you guys find these sermons from across history yeah so we definitely have to go to both uh sometimes it's just google searching and and sometimes too I'll hear, and I mean, we do both. We also do, uh, I haven't mentioned this yet to the audience, but we do a five to 10 minute backstory of the preachers. We get in there and tell them the story of whoever the preacher was. We found that really helps get the context of the sermon in their head. And, and we also update the language, um, but that's a whole different other side, side step of it. But so we get in there and we tell the story. So sometimes I'll see a really interesting story. I'll hear about a really uh, neat person in history and I'll go, let me go see if I can find some sermons by him and see if they match up. But generally speaking, what I do is I just look for great sermons. Sometimes those are in academic scholarly texts that are in old books that have been scanlated and thrown on the internet. We live in a great time where Google has done its best to just copy everything ever written onto the internet. Um, but the nice part about that is, is these old sermons that would have otherwise been almost impossible to reach out and get are all available, sermons from all over the world. Uh, and then the other side of it is too, is sometimes it's just, you no, know, I go with a popular sermon, a sermon that I think uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. You know, that yes. was a sermon that you Jonathan really Edwards. have on the show. <laughs> now, do you guys actually have that on there? Yeah, absolutely. That was in the first, that was in the first 10 episodes we popped that bad boy out. And that sermon uh, is terrifying. And I highly recommend it to everybody to listen to it. I, I love that. I love, now I got to listen to it. <laughs> um, and we have, and there's some, uh, we have Charles Spurgeon's very famous ser- uh, sermon, Compel Them to Come In. Uh, we have sermons by J.C. Ryle and, and all kinds of real, you know, very famous people. But we also have sermons of people that I would be, I would be willing to bet you may not have heard of. People like Jean Gerson and uh, 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 John Bradford and some really obscure people who are really important to our church and Christian history. But, you know, they didn't get as much page on the book and they get kind of forgotten, even though they're still really amazing preachers. Huh. I was just going to ask you That's about... About I, I actually like what you guys are doing. That sounds really cool. Um, I have not personally listened to you. Troy, this is the first time I've ever talked to you or have any knowledge of any of this. So this is actually kind of interesting to me. I'm actually intrigued. Well, good. I'm glad I was able to convince you and hopefully a few other listeners to hear what we're doing here and become interested in this project. Um, and I, no, it, it really um, is. And there are some people too who might be listening or might be into hearing this and go, okay, it sounds pretty dry. I get it. But once you start listening to the sermons, there's something about people from 150 years ago. They preach different than we preach today. John Garrison or Jean Garrison. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's John Garrison, by the way, is French. Um, he is, by the way, a Catholic. Ooh, he uh, came 100 years before the Reformation. Eek. So, you know, we will probably <laughs> get emails from some people going, hey, what's he doing on this show? And to that I say, well, it's hard for someone to be Reformed or have the same theology as you when they lived 100 years before Martin Luther. But mm-hmm. do your best. Um, 
I should be his voice. I used to be Catholic. <laughs> well, there you go. And I'm not supportive <laughs> of really the Catholic Church per se, or this is not a big thing for him, but he had a really interesting sermon at the Council of Constance where basically the men were throwing in the towel. They were basically just like, hey, um, we're, you know, we're not going to be able to get this schism to end. One of the three popes that was supposed to be quitting went and started his own council, just ended the council and ran away. And, uh, Je- you know, old Jean or John Gerson basically decided, no, I'm going to preach a sermon. Let's walk while we have the light. Let's do the right thing while we can, because the time will come when this world ends and we won't be able to make the right decisions anymore. So in this moment, we have an opportunity to make things better. And by God, we should do it. My last question uh, had to do with the John Gerson episode. And I respected how you guys tackled the intro at the beginning, talking about how there were finer points of his doctrine that you didn't agree with, but you still explained who he was, what he was saying, the times he was living in, and about the points that should be taken away from the sermon and minimizing the Marian weirdness and things yeah. like that. Yeah, we're, we're firm believers, basically, that, you know what, the listeners are smart enough to figure it out if they listen to the episode and go, you know what, I don't want to hear this old Catholic uh, sermon from Johann Thaler, who lived during the Black Plague, or, or Jean Garçon, who lived here. Okay, fine, then don't, that's fine. We, we respect that. You don't have to. Um, if the listener, you know, goes, oh, you know, George Whitfield, he had a lot of, uh, he had some issues with race in his past. We want to put that on the table. We want to give them that opportunity. We're not trying to bash people from the past. They lived in very different eras than we did. And we understand that we have things in our current day that we're going to probably be judged for 200 years from now too. At the same time though, we want to give the listeners much chance to judge it, but not just kill all of history that doesn't 100% align with the way we see things. Because part of the point of the show is to go right now, almost all the sermons, all the sermons we listen to are from Westerners, almost exclusively living in the United States of America in the late 21st, in the early 21st century, maybe late 20th century, right? And there's 1,800 years of experiences, of wars, famines, droughts, of theology that we need to at least understand and know and have, a, have some acknowledgement of. That doesn't mean we believe everything that these guys, we don't, we don't just accept it but we should know about it. We should know how to defend it. We should know how to talk with it. And a lot of people try to, I think, hide you, disguise you, keep it away from you. You don't need to know about these guys. I'm like, I trust that you're smart enough to be able to uh, decipher and discern it out. Like you're intelligent people. Take it and leave it what you think agrees and doesn't agree. That's you're, you're smart enough to do this yourself. I'm not going to just hide great people that made a difference for the church because, well, they had a few issues that we don't like. That's, I think that's just immature. And it makes for Christians that are honestly kind of easy to rock, knock over because if you're always just given one little, you're just always spoon fed one direction. The second somebody comes at you from another direction, you've never even considered it and you just get knocked out. Trust me. Right. Right. It really does. Yeah. I mean, I, t- I fully agree with you. And, um, People who are only one-sided, um, they can only see one side of the yeah. the street. They they have difficulty seeing both sides. So, um, it, I, and I think it uh, it helps people to hear like all these different uh, from both sides or three sides or whatever. It it helps. It challenges you to learn more about where you stand and what exactly. doctrines you uphold and even if you don't agree with everything, like I don't agree with John Wesley on a lot of stuff, but sure. man, that dude was super smart and yeah. I have a lot of respect for him. And but just people like that, I, it, it's, it's really cool to, uh, 
listen to these sermons. This is a really cool concept you guys have. And uh, I've listened to a few of them so far. And uh, it's just, it's really cool. And you, you get, um, you get all these different perspectives going and you, you learn. So I've learned a lot actually just from, from reading that Calvin sermon that you guys gave me. So that, that Calvin sermon, we were sitting on that till Easter. I loved that sermon. I lo- just, yeah. there were so many little thoughts that he had about, I mean, he had literally an eight part sermon on the crucifixion of Christ. And I thought to myself, boy, he, are, you, are you going a little overboard here like, <laughs> on this one topic leading up? And then I read that sermon. And I was like, I want to read the other seven sermons. My goodness, these are great. Um, and just his thought on why the sun went black. And how he kind of turns away from that really common um, idea that, well, it was the father turning his back on the son. There's even the song, the father turned, you know, and he's like, no, no, no. This is nature declaring God and covering up what man doesn't have the right to see something so holy as the son of God dying. So nature is declaring his worth and is putting a shadow over it. So you're not getting a direct vision. I was like, that is such a great perspective. Yeah. Wow. Would not turn his back on anybody, especially not his son, but. Instead, uh, man, the whole thing was just wild. From start to finish, I, the whole Elijah, oh man, yeah. that part two where the Elijah like, thing, Eli, yeah. That thing was like, it makes so much sense. I've never understood why that was in Aramaic, why that was, you know, in the Aramaic and nothing else was. And that makes so much more sense. He's, ex- he's this is Eli in Aramaic, hence it sounds like Elijah. That's why these guys say Elijah like that. I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Huh. He was Y'all a smart guy. Yeah, he was. Send me that. That's just, I would, I'd yeah. like to read that. Yeah, I printed oh. that sermon out and I kept it so I yeah, can read, John, read it later. It's well, no, you can't do that because we found that on the internet for free. So you can't be just, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope now I don't have to search for it though. It's right there. Yeah, no, and the best part is too, like our show is a hundred percent, you know, it's free. We did ask for a Patreon, whatever. We do get people to join in, which is awesome because we need new equipment because right now Joel and I pass a microphone back and forth. Um, but our show is free. We're able to do it for free. We don't have to pay royalties to anybody. This is just a thing that, quite honestly, we were super shocked nobody else was doing. In fact, once we had the idea, it took us a year and a half from this is an idea to creating the sermon and uh, and getting our first episodes published. It took a long time to get the format of the show. Where are we going to keep the sermons and the original scripts? Finding those first few speakers, because a lot of people had no idea what we were describing. And we're like, do you want to read an old sermon? It's 40 pages. You know, it's going to be 40 minutes. What do you think? And people were kind of like, no, that sounds awful. Um, <laughs> and it took us a long time to get it all together. But the whole time we kept checking the internet. Like, is anybody doing this? Anybody stealing this idea yet? Nobody's, nobody's doing this. We're still good. We're the only ones. And part of us realized after making it, yeah, we're the only ones because this is a lot of work. We have to find sermons, edit sermons, find speakers, work with the volunteers, have re-recordings done sometimes. Um, all this extra steps happen, then publish it, network it, market it, blah, blah, blah. But the other side of it too was like, no, this was just really a blessing that no one was on this. In fact, actually a couple months after we published a big, I, I was talking with somebody about being on their show. It didn't end up happening, but they were with a big network, uh, Ligonier or whatever. And they were saying basically like, oh, oh. We, have a, we have a list of shows we were thinking of creating and your show was one of them. Uh, but wow. it just sounded like a lot more work than we wanted to do. And I was like, wow, we're really lucky we got this out before you guys decided to do that, I guess. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. You beat Ligonier to the punch. We did. Although, of course, they could start it tomorrow and they would probably blow us out of the water with their, you know. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Yeah, of course. So, uh, at least, at least we know where it really started. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, we would technically be able to tell everyone we're first, but uh, who remembers the fast food burger shack before McDonald's, right? That's, no <laughs> it's true. I, I'm well, sure burger shack was delicious. <laughs> so that is the basic gist of old revived thoughts. We have a lot of fun. And I do say too, we update the language. So if there's anybody here who's going, I don't want to listen to old KJV. Well, we make it pretty accessible so that there's as few hurdles between you and these old sermons as possible. And if there's anybody out there who's like, well, I do want to listen to the old KJV. Well, I think there's a guy on YouTube who reads a lot of these by himself and he doesn't put any um, stories or anything in front of them. So you can't, you can't find that guy if you want to check him out. Um, it's really, it's really accessible without being distractingly modern. That's the goal is that it's because it's amazing when you take these messages and you modernize them, there's a relevance to them where it's like, I feel like this could be preached on the street, but then you're also like, but I also know like this couldn't be preached on this. John Newton has this sermon that he preached before he released amazing grace. First Chronicles 17. He talks about how, in First Chronicles 17, David kind of reflects on like, here's who I was, here's where I am, here's where I'm going. It's this interesting thought line. And, um, and that's what creates the song, you know, Amazing Grace. It's got the same flow to it. Uh, but at the end of the sermon, he just takes a paragraph out and he goes, and by the way, the axe is coming to chop down the trees. Those who aren't in the field, they're going to be gone. Now is your moment to get it right before the axe swings. And it's like, oh imagine my. how many of these sermons end with a line like that, where you're having a great time. And at the end, it's like, and by the way, Jesus is coming back and you're going to die soon. So get on it. <laughs> they don't care about who they offend. Charles Spurgeon literally gets up and hit one of his sermons that we're going to have coming out here in a bit. And he goes, so a lot of people in London, you guys say you're Christians. Nah, you guys are not Christians. You know how I know you're not Christians? Because when I pick up the newspaper, I see the crime stats. If you were all Christians, the crime stats would be lower. So clearly you guys aren't Christians. Oh, wow. Could you imagine a mega pastor today getting up and being like, hey, criminals. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just... Oh, they, I can almost picture him saying that while he's taking a big drag off a big cigar. Yeah. No, well, <laughs> he did give up smoking at the very end out of... Yeah, that's true. Part. That's but then true. again, he, he has a very interesting life because most of his quotes that are famous are from his hardcore Calvinist days, but then he kind of softened up. He's, he went through depression where he, uh, where he literally was like, I can't get out of bed. And so then he started preaching about that depression that he struggled with. And he started like, he ended up like with like hundreds of letters of people saying, I struggle with that. I also go through that. And so he said like, I'm a preacher full time, but I feel like I run like a side business where I just deal with people with depression all day. Oh, Wow. So somebody needed to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. He it's has a very fascinating life. Plus, he preached 10 times a week. So he's got pretty much, I mean, when he was the Prince of Preachers, he literally, I mean, he started at it when he was like 17 and he was doing 10 times a week. And that was pretty much his entire life. I mean, there's nobody who just was in a pulpit that often, let alone came. I mean, even John Calvin, who preached a lot, he preached every day a week and mm -hmm. then like two times on Sunday. And then he right. would take a week off. But John Calvin would take a week off and just do Bible studies. Spurgeon quite literally never stopped. That's insane. He bring uh, yeah, that candle no, down. Yeah. Pastors that's today, another, they couldn't even aspect. imagine. Yeah, that's actually another aspect of the show that we haven't really talked too much about right now. But there is this inspirational, just amazing side of these dudes who they are just courageous people. And, and not all of them, but so many of them live lives that I go, man, they really kind of call me out on my lackluster life because – uh, Hudson Taylor, he's one of my favorites. I always go to him. He literally, from his from a young kid, he was like, I'm going to go to be a missionary to China. He gets, he's learning to be a doctor. He actually gets scratched, scratched by a cadaver that's really sick. 
Like this person died a horrible disease. The doctor looks at him and goes, go home, say goodbye. You're going to be dead in the morning. And he looked at the guy and goes, you know, I'd love to go home to the Lord, but I think God's sending me to China. So I won't be dead in the morning. Well, he gets extremely sick for a week, comes back to work. And the doctor goes, you survived. You're the only person who touched that cadaver that survived. The other people didn't get scratched. They're all dead. Wow. He ends up going to wow. China. He arrives in China in the year 1850 in Shanghai. You may not know this, but that was the beginning of the Taiping Rebellion, which ends up being the fourth bloodiest event in human history. It ends up seeing uh, 10 times the numbers of people that died in our their civil war. It goes on for 15 years. It's this horrible, bloody event, and Shanghai is the dead center of it, right? He gets there, and he goes, hey, I'm, I'm a missionary. I'm here to tell people about Jesus. And they're like, oh, Jesus? Jesus' brother started this rebellion. And that's true. The guy who started the Taiping Rebellion said, I'm Jesus's brother. And another guy goes, I'm the Holy Spirit. And this other guy goes, I think I'm Paul. And the three of them basically got a cult together. And by the end of it, 30 million people had lost their homes. Oh, my goodness. And so could you imagine showing up and being a missionary in that environment? We think it's hard to go to another country. Imagine going to another country where their only experience of Jesus is this dude's brother trying to ruin the country. And then on top of that, he was right on top of the battlefields. He actually sent the cannonball home and said, Hey Ma, while I was preaching, this cannonball went over my head and almost took my head off. Thought I'd send it home and we could have a good laugh about that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he he probably felt a little bit uh, bulletproof, you know, having dodged death so many other times. Ma, it's it's just a flesh wound. (laughs) It's a really incredible story too. He, um, and we, we just, we just recorded this episode today of Hudson Taylor, where he's on a boat to China with the China Inland Mission. The entire China Inland Mission is their first mission. They're all going to China with him. He'd already been there, but he's going back, right? And on the way back to China, there's 18 in the boat. This is the entire organization. And they go through not one, but two typhoons. It takes 12 days of pure rain. They run out of fresh water like three days in. They do not have food. The rain and wind is so severe that nobody can hear the captain yelling orders. And this is going on for 12 days, no sign of sun, nothing. And this goes on and on and on. This, the boat is so beaten to death that when like, they eventually get out of the storm and sail into Shanghai, like, the whole city kind of erupts with interest because they're like, it looks like a ghost ship is coming into harbor. And when they pull into harbor, they're like, hey, we're here. There's 25 of us or so. There's 18 of these people are missionaries. And uh, we survived the storm. And everyone's just fascinated that these missionaries came here. Another boat shows up from this. They had gone through the same storm behind them and this boat comes in too and that boat started out off with 25 people and only six of them were left alive when they pulled in the harbor and these are the only two boats that came in from that storm basically any other boats were gone and these guys basically are like what are you doing here we're like we're missionaries we're going to dress up in the chinese garb we're going to we have some single women with us which never would happen before and we're going to go into hangzhou and we're going to go be missionaries everyone laughed at them like what in the world is going on here and, you know, 40 years later, that mission organization has 850 people and saw 25,000 people come to Christ. And I would argue that the church in China today that suffered through and survived communism and still is surviving mm-hmm. it, it can trace its roots back to that 18 people pretty much. That'd be pretty cool. That is pretty neat. So, I know well, this, is my, this might be a little bit off topic, um, but sure. you, you spent some time in China, right, Troy? Yes, I actually lived in Hangzhou. I had no idea at the time. <laughs> so that was where Hudson Taylor had headquartered, but I, I enjoyed it. It was cool. And I also lived in Shenyang, which is a, probably a part of China you're not familiar with. It's a, just a little bit north of North Korea. It's brutally cold. It is desolate um, in, a, in a very like Detroitish kind of rundown feel, but parts of it are exciting. And it was uh, 
one of the most cold, miserable experiences of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I figured probably uh, your time your time there uh, serving was uh, was would help you have a little more affinity uh, for him as a as a preacher, knowing what what he was doing and going through. And um, I, I think that's a pretty special connection. For sure. Yeah, no, I definitely have a special place in my heart for him and his story because of that. Because I think of how difficult it is to transition out of your culture. And let's be honest, too, if you live in the United States of America, you have a, I mean, yeah, we have it rough. We, you know, we got our stuff, but we have a pretty nice culture. We're definitely very comfortable and for the most part. And going from that culture to a Chinese culture where there's communism, where, you know, everything is kind of underground a little bit, although there is signs of wealth and it's very different. There's a, there's a huge gap between those who have money and those who do not, those who live you know, as a street vendor versus those who are going to school for tech. There's a big gap between these two worlds. Um, and so I thought of how difficult it was to try to learn Chinese and how difficult it was to be in this culture and be a person who's not, uh, when we were in Xinjiang, I mean, we were, there were not a lot of other people from outside of China in that city. It was very much an old school kind of place. And it was tough for us. And, you know, 2016, 17, I can't imagine what it was like 150 years before that when, you know, English is still out there on the outskirts. There are villages that have never even heard of Europeans, probably these people and their language was even more just crazy, you know, just crazy diverse because the communist country hadn't like united it under Mandarin. I mean, just, it must've been really hard and difficult. And yet these guys got on that boat and did it. And I think that's incredible. It, it is really incredible. Uh, it's incredible too. I think that, uh, that you got to spend your time there and do some ministry of your own, kind of join that history of, uh, of reaching out to uh, the Chinese people with the gospel. And, but then to be able to come home and start this awesome podcast, which I think will, will touch um, a lot of people as well. It certainly touched me and uh, really enjoy uh, what you guys are putting into it. Um, really hoping that uh, it continues on for a long, long time and, and you guys buy a, a second or even third microphone. <laughs> yeah, we're hoping the same thing. We love making this. Show. I cannot tell you. Um, I'm going to seminary at the same at the same time. I just started seminary this semester, and I gotta say though, and I love my seminary. It's a great seminary. They're doing a great job. But I will say, I do feel like seminaries and Bible colleges don't give church history enough credit. And I feel like our show is giving a very unique perspective on church history that has honestly really helped me appreciate. Uh, my faith, knowing just the number of guys who struggled with feeling saved and knowing the number of people who struggle with doubts and just seeing how these men would become. And, and one great thing about our show too, is there are tons of Christians that go through scandals or they, they fade from the faith, but our guys are dead. So we're pretty confident that they're going to stay where they're supposed to be. And we don't have to worry about their scandals coming up. We can just enjoy the history and we may, you know, there may be sketchy things in their past, but we can look at it head on. Uh, one, one last thought for everybody too, just, just leaving it here. But, um, we, we feel really like this is a great history show. It's a great, um, it's great to, it's great for theology. If you want to sound smart, be like, well, I was listening to a JC Ryle sermon on this. Well, you're going to really, you're going to really wow the friends. But for most importantly, this is like a show that I think really can help reach your heart where you're at. If you're, if you want to hear truth from these great men of history and just, just grow in your faith from a different perspective, it really has helped me do that. And I've really been, uh, just grateful to work on this project. And and a lot of people, you guys are saying you were learning just reading the sermons. We hear that a lot where the people who read the sermons too are like, we didn't, 
I didn't know some of that stuff. I grew from that. This is it's it's I've never seen I've never been a part of something or even really heard of something where the people who make the show, the people who volunteer and help the show, the listeners, like everybody is like together edified by the whole project. It's a really fun thing where we just feel like awesome. God just kind of placed that on our hearts. And I the idea kind of came to me while I was in China. I was reading a lot of books. I felt convicted by God that I should spend my time wisely. And since nobody was online at the same time I was, because I lived on the other side of the world, I spent a lot of my free time reading uh, books and I kind of made it my goal. I'm going to read books that have changed the world. And I read um, good books like Confessions by St. Augustine and uh, Martin Luther's The Bondage of the Will. And I also read some bad books like uh, Communist Manifesto and The Age of Reason by <laughs> uh, and The Kingdom of God is Within You by T Leo Tolstoy, which oh boy, my. that guy. That guy was really in himself, let me tell you. But, uh, yeah. but I really wanted to um, I really wanted to read the books that like had changed history. And somehow along the way, that kind of birthed this idea of like, well, what about the sermons that changed history? What about these, these first primary sources that we get? You know, instead of just reading a commentary where someone tells you what Charles Spurgeon thought, why don't you read his sermon and see what he was thinking? And, and once that started, we were like, well, why don't we listen to these sermons? Like, how can I get this to people? Uh, you don't go, I always say, you don't go to the movie theaters to read a script. You go to the movies to watch a movie. And our goal was to take those scripts, these sermons, and bring them back into audio so that you can listen to them again and you could really feel like you're in that room. And we even have people send them to us from pulpits. You can hear the echo. It it works, and we love doing it. So I really appreciate you guys having me on and let me ramble and rave about this show. But I, I love making it, and I would tell anybody who gets, who's interested, get in there and just listen to a sermon or two and tell, me, tell us what you think. Yeah, we, we yeah. think it's really awesome what you guys are doing. Uh, let, let our listeners know where they can find you, uh, find your show and any other information associated with what you're doing. No problem. Uh, you can find us on any podcast app. We are Revive Thoughts. You can go to our website, revivethoughts.com. You can uh, go to uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you're going to find us there. We're uh, more active on Facebook and Twitter. Actually, I'm just getting into Twitter because Facebook has been banning me like crazy. So I'm now getting a little more onto the Twitter side That's of things. So cool. you might find us a little more on Twitter these days. Um, I don't get Instagram. I don't don't get it. Don't Tw understand. Twitter's it, so, better. You know, it sounds like it, an old boomer kind of thing to say. Maybe but I, I, I don't want to take pictures of myself. So anyway, more on Twitter and uh, Facebook than we are anywhere else. And also. Um, that's the main areas you can find. If you find us in another place, cool. Uh, sometimes I'm on Reddit. So there you go. Um, last thing I say too, is you guys at the guys with Bibles, thank you for having us on. I listen to you guys, uh, do your interviews with Dwayne. You guys seem like you're doing cool stuff. I love hearing the story of how you guys kind of got together of how, um, you know, it was Sean and Lee and Chris just kind of had this moment where they bonded Yeah. Thank God for Chris. <laughs> and we love we love the bar like you guys are cool we love the biblical and reform like just i don't know you guys have fun shows you all your intros are like cool rap and stuff like that so i don't know man. i like what you got you guys had a, i listened to your episode with t is it t oh t barlow yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, i was i was edified by that one man. i was listening to this i was like this is some great you guys are just I, I love what you guys are doing i love that you guys seem to all get along really well and have a fun attitude you're not going around just tearing people down you guys seem really um, about being positive and encouraging and not in a K-lovey way, but like in a real we're brothers in Christ, let's do something for the body kind of way. Thank you. Awesome. I appreciate, appreciate that. that. Hey, I got listening. a question, Troy. I got a question. Are you going to have any John Gill or Richard Baxter on any of your podcast? Um, those heretics? You know. No, I'm just kidding. We actually have Richard Baxter <laughs> already, already recorded. 
Uh, and we have a Richard Baxter. We're just kind of sitting on it, scheduling and promoting the show is interesting. We have kind of a method to it, but uh, we sometimes sit on sermons for a very long time. We sat on uh, Jean Garçon for literally ages, so long that when I messaged the guy, I was like, "Hey, by the way, that sermon you did." He was like, "Oh yeah, I kind of forgot about that." I was like, "Yeah, that yeah, makes sense." It's been like five months, but anyway. Uh, but we have like a methodology to why we put them out when we do. Uh, we're sitting on a Richard Baxter that we're excited to release. We have not yet had a John Gill, so we're interested. You know, if you know anybody, you're interested in being old John Gill. I actually have um, a buddy that's over in Scotland that like just yes, done loves John Gill. Get them, get them on the show. We need more people with accents. We've actually gotten this. Probably one of the few complaints the show has gotten is that people from Britain have been like, "Can you stop butchering all these great preachers with your American accents?" It's just <laughs> <laughs> haters. Uh, we had Haters. We had a wonderful gal named Kristen Wakefield who uh, uh, she and her husband. The husband is actually our Charles Spurgeon now. Um, but she literally messaged me. It's like, I love the show. Can't get enough of it. Also, if you keep doing American accents to every good that's ever lived, you're going to drive me crazy. So she said, all, if you've heard anybody with an accent on our show, it was people she connected us with. Except wow. for our Canadian Chris Awesome. That was all us, man. That, that guy, he did it himself. Yeah. I think <laughs> yeah, I can hear that Gerald White when he was talking. Yeah, when I was when I was trying to record my Calvin sermon, I was like, I feel like I need to do like a fake French accent. Oh gosh, no! <laughs> no, we actually we do have people sometimes too. They'll message us and be like, "Do you want me to do an accent?" I'm like, "Are you Scottish, British, French?" No, like if you're not that person, please don't do an accent. Yeah, like, so had, I was like, if we had a southern gentleman, we wouldn't want you to come on and put on a big old fake southern drawl. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I'm doing a Sean Connery full. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, like Calvin's gonna have a midwestern accent. Exactly. Well, yeah. that's okay because you know what? Nearly everyone else has to. I mean, Dietrich Bonhoeffer <laughs> sounds great, but he's from Illinois. You know, it is. And, you know, I, I, there are people who, you know, they're kind of into that. And I'm like, hey, if we had the resources that we could get perfect accents to fit, fit everybody, that's fine. But we're just two dudes who came up with an idea. We're doing it kind of from our basement with a single microphone. We're going to take what we can get. Uh, and we're just going to be we're going to be grateful whenever we can get something. We've occasionally had to send something back. Been like, this sounded a little off. We're going to pick we're going to fit you with somebody a little better for your voice. But and there are things that happen that are distracting. We had a, a Canadian gentleman the first time he recorded it. Um, he recorded it with a the plane flew over and a bus went by. Hong Kong had a bus stop multiple times, oh, no. which really distracts you from the idea that this is Chrysostom who oh. lived in a cave and like it was in the Roman Empire. Like that just you, can't, you kind of find that hard to believe with the plane going over. right out of the moment. And there's this really amazing clip. We've never released it, but we we don't really know what to do with it. We're like, what do we do with this clip? But the guy who does our Dietrich Bonhoeffer was in the middle of recording it in a hotel room and. Outside his hotel, like at the pool he was at in Orlando, uh, Will Smith, this old like rap song just comes blaring through and he doesn't like catch it at first. So it's him reading like forgiveness by God and we're going to love people. And you just hear rap playing in the background. It's one of the most getting jiggy with it in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Getting jiggy with that forgiveness. (laughs) <laughs> it, it really it'll it throws you off you're like these are two things that like n- only by accident could they possibly be paired together but you know it sounded pretty cool actually here comes the man in black <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot all right well troy thank you so much for coming on tell joel we missed him but we're glad for what you guys are doing and uh thank you yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, this I think is guys I'll be listening to you guys while I do my homework now. So that yeah, should be interesting. 
Hey, yeah. I hope. Let me know how that goes. Let me know if you can get any homework done because you'll either get a lot of homework done because you weren't paying attention and you got bored, or it'll be the opposite. We're like, I can't get any homework done because these sermons. But if you guys, a little pro tip: if anybody out there is in seminary and stuff, drop a little, uh, drop a little quote. Be like, hey, you know, I was uh, in the old sermon by George Whitfield on forgiveness. You're gonna sound a uh, that professor's gonna go, oh, look at these cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. And this is Guys with Bibles, and we're out.